0: Welcome back. This is chapter three of Rewriting Her Story. We're your hosts, Mari and Steph, two licensed professional counselors in the state of Wisconsin.
1: This chapter is all about exploring popular mental health topics on a deeper level.
0: Real and unfucking filtered. Let's get into it. There's this creator on Instagram that I love that um acts like I have to get a bobby pin or I'm not going to be able to live my life today (laughs) um who does like interpretations of the Kardashians and I know who she is and she sounds
1: just like Courtney.
0: yes and when she well like honestly all of them (laughs) but because they all sound very similar she does the (laughs) yes (laughs) I literally was doing that and I was like oh my god (laughs) maybe I like her she's funny and she talks
1: really slow, when she like acts like Courtney.
0: Yes, I fucking not even organic, <laughs> not even vegan. Not the vegan. Like, <laughs> she does <just> Courtney <laughs> fucking slow, and then she's like has <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> Not the vegan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's fucking. I can't see. That's oh. the kind of content I will support. It's the other oh, all day long. Like, I can't all day long. That's just funny as hell. It's funny as hell. Lately, um,
1: my algorithm, which I'm thankful for, has been red
0: pandas, which I want one I so bad. I literally would I need one. cut my hand off to I be able to pet one. I need one so bad. I, I just want to pet it. Just
1: I let know. me pet it. I saw one today and it was like, red pandas are all cute until they get angry. And then it was a video of a red panda coming up that wanted an apple. And they were like, here it is approaching with um, an angry face. And then it went like this with its little fist, but it still looked so oh. cute. They're I want so one scary. so bad. I
0: love when they get scared. Yes. And, and I love how their feet don't look like feet. They literally look like lollipops. Yes. <laughs> like, like yeah, little little pops.
1: I need one in my life. I know. Or I
0: want a baby pig. No, I want a baby raccoon. Mm-hmm. I mean
1: the, dude, I saw a video of it's a massive raccoon. It was
0: it's huge. legal. You'd have to get him as a baby, otherwise I'll fuck you up. Yeah, you can legally own one as a pet in Wisconsin. So my mom I'm, had one when she was a kid. My best friend, Aaron's mom had one as a kid.
1: (laughs) Why isn't that more normalized? What are we doing?
0: Yeah. They're everywhere. (laughs) They're literally free outside. Just go pick one up. (laughs) Why did I see a, a raccoon? it was on a reel and he was like like there was like two wires coming down and then it was hanging a bird feeder like a, and he was like flopped over the bird feeder like hanging on kind of like folded over it yes. and the wind was going and I was like, <laughs> save him Why are you just recording? Save him. Do you see the the fucking video of an orangutan eating an opossum out of its enclosure? No. It he <laughs> Possums freak me out. Oh. Ugh. Stephanie, they are. You like them? Ready? Yes. Tails are like big rope tails. Stephanie, they they eat ticks. They uh? don't get rabies. They they literally. Positive. They are the only marsupial in the United States. They don't, they eat ticks and they don't get rabies. The post goes around every summer to share. So people, when like they stop start killing them. Yeah. So they yeah. Stop, just cause they don't look appealing. Yeah.
1: I used to leave um, my ex-husband's house. He had like a back door with yeah. like a porch and stuff. And I mm-hmm. will never forget the time I was walking out the back door. It was like 2 AM and there was a fucking possum on the deck, just staring at me. And I was like, like it's gonna, I'm going to get murdered. I'm going to be no. killed. It was terrifying. And
0: and they're scaredy cats. Yeah. They're scaredy They, like, look scary, but they don't do anything. You should be worried about raccoons. Oh, for sure. Raccoons will fuck you up. Fuck you up. They
1: will fuck you up.
0: Aaron and I used to drive around fucking when we were younger, especially in the ghetto. Like, why? What are we doing? Why are we doing that? That's what Um, we did, though. (laughs) There was a giant raccoon sitting on the curb like a human. Like, his butt was on the curb and he was eating something. (laughs) Like cats and dogs do sometimes. I was like, that's an OG. (laughs) That is an OG. He's he the leader of the pack here in this. Neighborhood. Runs these streets. <laughs> I was like, shut up. And that's back when like internet on your phone was $14 a minute. And you so. never
1: dared press the world button because you would have been charged a thousand dollars. No, when I tell
0: you, when I tell you I would take the battery out immediately. So I would slide the back off and take the battery out.
1: These kids don't know. These kids they don't, don't know.
0: So today we're talking about the nineties. I'm just kidding. I wish that would be such a fun episode. Right oh now. my god, I would love it so much. I would love it so. I when I tell you, I am pumped for the live action remake of Fern Gully. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, the chokehold that movie had me I loved in Fern Gully. Fern, I would. Oh my god! Have you guys it watched was- The Little Mermaid yet? Yeah, we went, we went and saw it for free Um, because Shelf School did a- Oh, a like a We up for tickets and I was like, fuck yeah, hell yeah, we'll go for free even if it's not good, but it was so cute.
1: I started watching it last weekend and I got mm-hmm. distracted, so I didn't finish yet.
0: Obviously, I love the original. I was going to say, I, like,
1: my I live- is like, don't add new songs. Yeah, we need soundtrack. Please don't add, it. A, don't add randoms. So,
0: like, any of the live action remakes, I, like, I think they're great, but I have never been, like- that replaces never
1: absolutely ever. not beauty and the beast no nothing will ever I love Emma
0: beast. Watson don't get me wrong I love the
1: shit I love out the of the movie but like but no it's not the real one Mm-mm. I do want to see live action Mulan I haven't watched that one I loved mm-hmm. Mulan that movie had me in a when fucking chokehold that soundtrack
0: yeah that soundtrack yes didn't watch Lion oh, King either <laughs> da, 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 da. um that was my friend Sean's favorite song and it's really? and anytime i see anything regarding mulan i think of him and mm-hmm. i usually send him the meme or whatever that it is that's awesome um lion king live action remake well it wasn't like live action remake but i was like eh. really that's I why i didn't him. watch it lion king as a kid, oh though. same um i don't know how i feel about a moana one i don't yeah i don't you better not put any new sounds on there you better not i know don't moana soundtrack is gold
1: yeah no i agree with you on that one it is
0: i'm gonna say it right now and i'll die on this hill it's the best disney soundtrack there ever was
1: i'm saying it wow
0: best disney soundtrack there ever was ever wow i could literally sing the whole thing front to back even the interludes where it's being sung in samoan or or hawaiian or i don't know but Samoan is right yeah okay i thought it was Samoan, but (laughs) I can make the sounds. I don't know. I think what that's saying. how I feel
1: about beating the beast, Aladdin, and Little Mermaid. Those mm. are my my core three. I love Aladdin. So much.
0: So the much. way
1: that I wanted to be Jasmine when I was a kid. I was her for Halloween one year. I just but I wanted, wanted to be her.
0: I wanted a pet tiger and I thought it was oh. very unfair. <laughs> I Ridiculous. have really focused on the animals. Like Abu was one of my favorites. I, I had an Abu. Them. I had an Abu stuffed animal, and I loved it. Bugs Life. I got the big mm. ant stuffed animal for Christmas one year, and it was literally the best day of my life. I love the caterpillar and Bugs Life.
1: He's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just like <laughs> kind of like a dud. Like a dud. And it's Beautiful butterfly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, we're gonna get into it. <laughs> okay, okay. So today. We're not, we're not talking about Disney movies at all. We could, but it we're not going to do literally has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> no. We just didn't have a second to catch it up. It brings so. us joy. That's fine. So much joy. Mm-hmm. So I'm literally going to listen to the Moana soundtrack later when I cut the grass. Excellent. It. Feels so good. Anyways, okay. So what we're talking about, today, we're going to talk about, this is episode 106. Mm-hmm. Shout out to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about... BPD. So mm-hmm. we were taking a look at our um, most listened to episodes top, and episodes, top 10 episodes. And the one episode, the, the highest ranking episode was BPD versus bipolar. And like us talking about the differences between the two, because unbeknownst to us, like back when we recorded it, we didn't really realize like people weren't understanding. No. Does not mean bipolar disorder, but like we can understand how people got there, right? Correct. <clears throat> but in, in our world, BPD has always been borderline personality disorder mm-hmm. and personality disorders and, you know, mood disorder like we're, we're totally world separate. Apart. Yes. World worlds apart. Um, so, today we're going to talk about what it might be like to um, live with somebody uh, in your life who has BPD. Mm -hmm. Um, And what that might show up like, what it might feel like, how you might experience it, how they experience things. And so the disclaimer on this episode is that we are giving very selective moments that could happen to anybody. However, Somebody who has BPD doesn't have to exhibit these symptoms or these, these thought process, this like thought process that we're going to talk about. They, um we're not giving free reign um information for you to take and then put it on somebody in your life and be like, Yeah, BPD. Like, we're not giving but, you diagnostic criteria yeah, to start labeling people. That,
1: and here's please, here's the other caveat: please. is that mm-hmm. to me there may be some of these traits that people display, and these people don't have BPD. We're just <laughs> giving. Tips and tricks to people who have the diagnosis and are living with it every day, and the people who are in their life, like ways to appropriately communicate with somebody because sometimes <coughs> that's difficult. Here's the thing: it's hard to communicate with
0: people. Period. In general, end right. of story. In general, right? And I think the thing to pay attention to, to is, is, and I stand by this: everybody exhibits symptoms of personality disorders. Mm-hmm. Everybody in our life has at one point or another, you know, done something that is manipulative or just intuitive. because somebody's
1: selfish doesn't mean they're a narcissist.
0: Exactly. Oh God.
1: <laughs> That's a I whole nother
0: episode. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of that word. I'm so Same. tired of it. I'm so tired of gaslighting. So I like saw a post the other day, that was like talking about phrases that are helpful and phrases that are gaslighting. And one of the phrases that was gaslighting was, I'm sorry, you feel that way. That's it's not gaslighting. That's not gaslighting. It's not gaslighting at all. It's not. I don't cultivate feelings for you. And if you were feeling some type of way and it is causing you distress, I am sorry, you do feel Correct. that way. Correct. I'm not like, sorry, you feel that way. but I didn't do it. Like. I also think there is a giant. There has to be a, an acknowledgement of tone delivery as much. One hundred percent. To you know, feed into Kathleen and Richards. You know, it's about the way that you deliver it, and I'm like, oh god, god that's I my whole understand. life. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, like it's not what you say, Stephanie. It's how you say it. Like, Wiggling around, and it's like yes. you might have had a point. Okay, you might have. Uh, okay, you been onto Something. <laughs> you might have been onto something because when my daughter does that, I'm like. <laughs> You can get talked to today. <laughs> literally. Can to. We can have a convo. Yes. So I feel like we will put my vitamins out. Otherwise I'm never going to take them and they really have to be ASMR. Story vitamin, my life. Literally. So let's talk about it. I don't really know where to start because I feel like it's so broad and it's like, I don't, I don't know where to like dive into it. So
1: I would say, and this is based on some client interactions I've had, right? Where Mm -hmm. maybe they have a partner with BPD or a parent with BPD and things can get volatile, whether that means like physically or just emotionally volatile, right? Yeah. And I think, and the ways that I have presented myself in the past with clients with BPD Mm -hmm. is, and this is what I tell partners, parents, friends fill in the blank with whatever, feels good to you Mm -hmm. is like, you need to be as neutral and calm as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you are giving, I don't want to say giving in, if you are giving this like visceral emotional response to them, you are not going to get through to them. You are, that fight is going to continue. It's Mm -hmm. going to be combative. It's not going to be productive. Mm -hmm. So for example, we worked with a lot of teenagers who would Mm self-harm and in talking with parents and please hear me when i say i can't fathom being a parent of a child who engages in self-harm and acting in a calm manner because that's fucking scary
0: absolutely it's
1: scary absolutely it's scary it's heartbreaking you never want your kids to be in pain if you don't understand what self-harm means you can't even fathom right but i would have the conversation constantly of when they come to you and they say i have urges to self-harm or i self-harmed i need you to not react emotionally right because a they're not going to want to come and tell you again Mm-hmm. B they're going to feel guilt and shame because they have now caused you to feel some type of way cuz that's mm-hmm. a teenager's brain. We know mm-hmm. as adults I'm not responsible for somebody else's feelings.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: C coming at them with any sort of emotion is just going to create panic, right? Mm-hmm. Or anger or frustration. So when I say come at them with like a calm manner and calm demeanor, ideally we'd like to be in that wise mind, right? There's mm-hmm. going to be some emotion. Cause that you love that person. Yeah. There's going to be some logic. Let's put them together and get to that wise mind place. Does that make
0: sense? 100%. And also I have found that it is helpful for me to discuss with Sophia. Like if I'm reacting to something, like I even did it this morning because she called me and she, um, did I talk about this? No, before I, talked about it before. So I was like, I'm having deja vu right now. What's going on? <laughs> She called me and she never calls me like the attendance line never calls. And I knew that I had dropped her off on time. I knew that she was fine. Like I I knew she wasn't like on the side of the street somewhere. So she wasn't (laughs) hacking her lungs. So I was like, why are you guys calling me? Like what went on? What's going, what's happening? And then there was that threat at park. I think it was Park or it might've been Horlick, but like a kid got cut. This is all hearsay. I don't, I didn't read a news article or anything, okay. but that a kid got cut from the football team and went to school with gun. No, no. And approached the coach. The so way like, that I will my take my kid out of school. So fucking fast. And I'm so like nervous about those things. Yes. So in my mind, I was like, Oh my God, what's happening. And so I answered the phone and she was like, Hey Ma. I was like, this is Mari. Cause I figured it would be somebody. Yeah. And she was like, Hey, and I was like, Hey, what's like, what's going on? And she was like, um, and she goes, what do I say? And I'm like, <sighs> I'm your mom. Yeah, yeah. I was like, why are you calling me? And I said it just like that. Sure. I was like, why are you calling me? Cause I was also walking into Starbucks and I was so busy. And so I was like a lot of things were random." Yeah. Yeah. And she goes, she goes, well, you forgot my money for gym. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And I was like, well, first of all, I don't keep cash on me. So, and I was like, ask him if I can bring it when I pick you up. And she was like, can she do that? And she said, yeah. And I said, okay. And I didn't apologize to her, like say where I was coming from. So mm-hmm. I text her and I said, I'm sorry if I sounded sassy on the phone. I was just worried that you were like sick or hurt or something. And so mm-hmm. I'll make sure that she sees it when I pick her up. But like, even, even if you do have those moments, right. Because obviously it, those moments are scary and they're going to yes. get the best of us sometimes. 100%. Right. 100%. So being able to come back to that and say, you know, I, I, I want to talk about my reaction. I want to talk about, I I'm coming from a place of fear and I love you and I care about you and I don't want anything to happen to you. So I, I immediately just got panicked and it came out and I, I don't know if it looked like anger to you. I don't know if it looked like irritation or upsetness, but like, I'm telling you, like it was panic. Mm -hmm. And so like, let's talk about that. How do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. Um, and and then you even get to be able to have some of those moments of like, well, I'm sorry I did that or I'm sorry I create and it's like, no, mm-hmm. I don't need you to apologize. This isn't something to we're not apologizing for feelings. I'm sharing my my reaction so that we, you know, there's no cross signals or we we know where I'm coming from. But I think that I I do understand what it I mean from seeing, right? Sure. I do understand from having to have those conversations and be in family sessions and deliver those feelings of what that how that approaches parents. And it's, it was, I think, helpful for me to be there, to be able to, you know, facilitate, like what, yeah. you know, how do you feel about mom and dad's reaction? Like this is what mom and dad's, correct me if I'm wrong. This is what mom and dad's reaction, mm-hmm. you know, is telling me like, what, it, what is it telling you to be able to, to be there, to feel that. Um, but I think that when we're working with people who have personality disorders, they that personality disorders develop because of the way that that person has learned to survive and get by in their life and right? the so, world around them mm-hmm. in the world around them. So the, the behaviors, habits, symptoms um, of this diagnosis that they've picked up have been for survival. And I was so I think say that yep. when I am meeting somebody and I am assessing and if I, if that's the diagnosis that I'm leaning towards, I, I am, I've understood that sometimes therapists don't like, don't to share about. diagnoses. They don't, well, yeah, don't share diagnoses, but especially personality disorder, 100%. Type, which is, uh, you're doing uh, that mildly. client a disservice. Yeah. It's wild to me because in my mind, I'm, I'm like, this is going to go two ways. Either we're going to be open and we're going to work on it, or you're not going to like what I have to say. And you're not going to come back. But what I'm not going to do is go around for three months and just pretend like you don't, this Correct. isn't what you're struggling with. Yeah. So when I'm talking about like, this is the criteria I see, this is the reason I'm going with this diagnosis. And here's the thing being private pay, I don't need to put a diagnosis anywhere. Like it's not going to your insurance. It's not going to your job. It's not going anywhere. I think that it is helpful to give people the diagnosis or what I'm seeing so that you have a starting point, Mm -hmm. right? Because if I'm operating out of DBT and I'm looking at walking the middle path, First, we must accept something before we can move towards change. We understanding the root or, or just kind of like the origin to me is helpful to then start moving forward. But I, I I give people the chance of like, we can talk about it and move forward and proceed with such. Or if you don't care about the origin, that's totally okay too. This is what I'm seeing. So this is what I'm going to be treating. Are you Mm -hmm. okay or comfortable with that? So then being able to have that conversation and following it up with while these are characteristics of your personality, here's what I need you to understand. This was survival. Mm-hmm. These were manifested and ingrained and learned patterns of behavior to survive, mm-hmm. right? And I, I mean that, I mean, I can understand that maybe that that sounds dramatic or that sounds really like reactive of like survival, really. Mm-hmm. Bombs weren't going off in my house. Here's, here's the thing pumps don't have to be going off. It doesn't have to be some giant trauma doesn't have to mean war. Exactly. And that is the thing I just re-listened to or I just listened to um, Daring Greatly by Mm Brene Brown. I love that one. Because I had listened to Dare to Lead and I, I hadn't listened to it and so I just finished it. And she's talking about like Trauma for a child can be that perception or feeling of like there is that they don't um, belong or aren't lovable or those Mm -hmm. moments like that's trauma for them. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not a parent being like, you don't belong, you suck, you this. If that's their interpretation, that's how they that's that's what they're operating off of. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100 percent
1: what also can happen. And this is very similar to when I talk about anxiety and the anxiety center of your brain being the amygdala and how it's always like, it's there to look for threats, right? Like BPD, for example, is the same thing. You feel threatened all the time. You feel like people are always out to get you. Like you are being attacked, quote unquote, and whatever way or shape or form that resonates with you,
0: like threatened can look like losing a relationship, Correct. right? Like there's that giant fear of like I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna be with this person, or they're gonna leave me, or mm-hmm. or my friends don't care about me, or this. Like threatening doesn't have to feel like you're like on guard fighting somebody off. Which is
1: why fear of abandonment is huge, and that is mm-hmm. part of the criteria. Here's the thing: there are also attachment styles, and mm-hmm. I will die on this hill where anxious attachment and BPD go hand in hand. That mm-hmm. does not mean that everybody that has one has the other. But if you have one, you know what I'm saying? So again, this is clinicians talking. This isn't like, I'm just giving you guys fucking willy nilly free will to go assign these to people. Please don't, please Please don't, please don't. The other thing that I've noticed a lot too with clients is if there is a fear of abandonment, next comes self-sabotage, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to fuck you up before you can fuck me up, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave before you can leave or I'm going to make things really bad for you. And then I'm going to show you that you were going to leave me and I'm going to prove myself right, right? Yep. There has to be acknowledgement of what's within my control though, right? Everything we talk about with you guys is can all be, I don't want to say fixed, whatever, but like bring it back to what's within my control.
0: Yes. It's not even about like, it's not like, we don't even like healing, like Mm -hmm. the healing comes from focusing on what is within our control. If you're focusing on what's within your control, you are being mindful in that moment Mm -hmm. and thinking with your wise mind and also looking out for yourself. Mm -hmm. All of those things go hand in hand with healing. Yep. If I'm looking out for myself and I'm operating and making the choice that I think this is the choice I need to make right now, I'm showing my unconscious brain that I care about myself. I'm worthy of love and support. I'm showing up for myself. Mm -hmm. If I'm only focusing on what I can control, I'm not spending extra energy trying to think about all these other people's perceptions. Mm -hmm. If I'm focusing on what I can control, I'm not then trying to do shit out of spite because this person did this. Well, I'm going to go do this and they're going to feel like this. You don't know that. Mm-hmm. you could do that. And they could be like, you fucking crazy person. What did you just do? Like mm-hmm. they, they want to do this. I'm going to go slash their tires. That's within my control. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And or I'm going to threaten to hurt myself
0: mm-hmm. because I want to yeah, see how much they care.
1: Yes, And what I've seen with, it doesn't matter. Teens, adults, it doesn't matter. What I've seen with that is then they then get frustrated with their loved ones who then are nervous about them potentially hurting themselves. And I'm like, but can you blame them? you've Mm -hmm. made threats or you've made gestures and they love you. They don't want you to hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. So for them to automatically jump to this conclusion of like, oh my God, they're going to be unsafe. Mm -hmm. And for you to get mad, that's not necessarily fair, Mm -hmm. but that's where the communication has to come into play. And I think a lot of times too, is they make these threats because they just feel so much emotional pain that they don't know what else to do in that moment. Mm -hmm. And they don't always want to die. And that goes yeah. with a lot of suicidality, right? Yeah. Is that, yes, it's not even the act of dying. They don't want to feel the way they feel anymore because it's too much. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing that I talk about so much with clients is if you were never taught how to cope with things, mm-hmm. how would you possibly know how to cope with things? That is, that is one of the only things that, that realistically could come up just naturally organically in your mind because it's, it's an option, Mm -hmm. right. Of like being like, well, that is something I could do instead. Like I, I don't ever remember my parents sitting me down and saying, Mari, when you are angry, you can do this. When you are, when you are sad, you can do this when you were right. And I even look at like my times with Sophia and I'm like, I'm not that diligent about it. I do bring it up. And I have tried to show things, but sometimes when she gets like, like this morning, I had a moment cause she didn't do her. Well, it's not that she didn't. It's just that there was a, mis- a miscommunication between us is that she's getting worksheets for math sent home. And she is saying that all of the math needs to be done. So we've had a, a double-sided worksheet every night no. and then two, two worksheets in her book. We'll come to find out the worksheets in her book are what are due. The oh. worksheets that are being sent home, you can turn in and get points and earn something for gotcha. it. Gotcha. Okay she didn't specify that. So we did worksheets first. The one day we did two, three worksheets and then mm-hmm. the worksheet. no, two worksheets. And then the worksheets in the book. And then there was another worksheet that we did first, but I didn't realize then she communicated. Well, I said, well, what is actually due tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Because on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we don't get home until seven 30. There's, and she's book salad from after yep. school to seven thirty. There's no time. She's like, well, the, the work in the book is due. And I was like, Okay. And then she was like, I don't want to do it. Blah, 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 blah. And then I was getting frustrated. So Mm -hmm. I'm not always like, well, here's what you can do to get frustrated. Right. I'm managing my own fucking emotions of like, Mari, you can't lose it on her. Like, like put it together. And then I also was feeling nauseous this morning. So I was like, I'm going to puke. I'm going to pass out. Like, what's Mm -hmm. going on? Like, so there's a whole slew of things happening. So I can understand that not every parent is going to be like, here's what we do. Let's pick a, let's pick something out of the feelings jar and let's Mm -hmm. try it. Right which would be very helpful. That is something that I do when I used to work with little kids, I'm talking mm-hmm. to parents, so get a fucking jar out there and put coping skills in it. So you can just yep. reach your hand in and grab it. So it, i try to bring that understanding of like, if you weren't taught how to cope with these feelings, you can't possibly take that and use that against yourself. Mm-hmm. It would be the same. Like kids don't know how to shower properly. Correct. Well, you, you gotta show them, them everything. Yes. Yeah, you gotta teach them everything. So, like again, like how you can't fault yourself when you didn't, you didn't know. Nobody taught you. Mm-hmm. And now we can learn together, and we can start to figure out different ways of coping instead of using these threats to get this attention. Because again, that's a learned behavior. These mm-hmm. threats, these these vocal outbursts, these extreme emotions—all of those have been learned. That if I do these things then i'm going to get attention i'm going to feel heard i'm going to do the i'm gonna whatever i'm going to get the reaction that i want because any reaction is better than no reaction because i Mm -hmm. want to feel heard i don't want to be ignored i i want to feel you know loved or supported or whatever and in my way doing these things then satisfies that need for me Mm -hmm. even if on the outside the rest of us are like that's not love Mm -hmm. that's not this what do you like these drag out, scream out fights are, you feel connection. And it's like, yeah, that's, that is how that, or it's viewed as passion. Connection. Like we fight yes. and then we fuck yes. and then we're great. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's
1: where like the term love bomb is used a lot with narcissists of like, they love bomb me from the jump yeah. and they showered me with gifts, but that's also, and this is what I've seen with people with BPD is that after a fight, when they had that second to realize, Oh fuck, I just fucked up. They will love bomb the shit out of you to make it up to you. Mm-hmm. they will send you the nice text messages they will try to have sex with you they want to be close to you they want to be intimate with you as a way to reconnect with you to be like i fucked up i'm sorry instead of sitting down to have the conversation
0: bitch is my ex bpd oh. bitch i never thought about it
1: yeah <laughs> oh <laughs> 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 oh Bo- there's no conversations it's just i'm gonna have sex with you to show you how much i love you you know what i'm saying
0: and well and but the love bombing too and the buying gifts and shit oh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep
1: (laughs) i was thinking too when you were talking about never being taught or shown how to handle emotions i have so much as an almost 40 year old woman compassion for my parents because they had a terrible traumatic upbringing yeah And they chose to go the opposite direction. I'm not going to beat my kids. I'm not going to, you know, berate my kids. They went the opposite direction. What that looks like though, is I'm not going to talk about anything either because I don't know how to. So it's just going to be the silent treatment until I'm ready to be over it.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sure,
1: I could be bitter about that for the rest of my life and be like, I didn't have my emotional needs met. My parents were terrible. I'm not going to do
0: that. That is something that I really feel like needs to be worked out because one million percent we can acknowledge that our emotional needs as children weren't met. Sometimes that doesn't mean I negate every other moment Mm -hmm. that I've had in my childhood where I can acknowledge that my parents were showing up for me. One hundred percent. My dad. My dad made a little helmet for my stuffed animals when we would go on bike rides for me, because I was f- afraid that they would be hurt. Like mm-hmm. they wouldn't be safe too. Well, if I have to wear my helmet, then they have to wear a helmet. No, oh, Richard. We never talked about feelings or anything, but he made my stuffed animals a helmet. Mm-hmm. He showed up for me in the way that he knew how in the different areas that he could. That's and the thing
1: is, available. is like... What is the the difference is, and I'm I'm trying to be like as fucking polite as possible because somebody's. Remember that.
0: Remember that first. Remember that first episode, and I said we're not, but we're not sugarcoating shit. (laughs) Lay it out there. I don't want to negate somebody's version
1: of trauma with their parents. I'm speaking of my own experience with my parents. I was not physically abused. I was not emotionally abused. Did we talk about feelings? No, I don't feel, I would never label myself as emotionally neglected. Right. I have compassion for my parents who had no idea what the fuck they were doing. They were 20 and 21 when I was born and they had very traumatic lives. My dad's not even from this fucking country. So like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like he couldn't even speak English when he went to elementary school. So like what?
0: Well, and so that, that, this might be a hot take. But if we're looking at emotional abuse and like its origin and where it starts, if like your parents aren't meeting your emotional needs and whatnot, in my mind, I feel that that can be healed with bringing compassion to understanding what your parents went through. And so I think a lot of the time the frustration comes from but what about me? Mm -hmm. What about what happened to me? What about my journey? What about that? Here's the thing. When we're going back and looking at these things and acknowledging that that person couldn't have shown up the way that I wanted them to, because Mm -hmm. they didn't know how, that's not negating your story. It's not taking away from what you went through. It's understanding the origin. Mm -hmm. It's not a free pass. I can love my parents and also know that I wish things had been differently. Sure, I wish I I had been communicated with. I wish somebody would have fucking found out that I was fucking ADHD. Well, before high school, even, please, mm -hmm. for the love of fucking God. Mm -hmm. But like, it is what it is. My mom was like, "Well, you still were able to keep it together." I didn't talk about this before. I didn't think you needed to be like it was okay. And I was like, "I, "I get it, dude. I so get it. I don't harbor any." Ill will against that mm-hmm. because again you didn't know you mm-hmm. don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. and so it I think that that's the thing is like when you're when you in my mind are really focused on that that healing journey you start to remove the but what about me aspect mm-hmm. because it's together it's it's both and. Mm-hmm. It's not this, it's not one or the other. It's not black and white. It's both and I I feel that there could have been things done differently and I deserve different treatment. And I can understand that there weren't the fucking tools, man. Mm-hmm. There weren't acceptance doesn't equal approval. Correct.
1: What I feel happens a lot too, associate with adults with BPD is mm-hmm. typically speaking, not all the time. So like don't fucking quote me on this, yeah. but say you're a woman with BPD, I would yeah. encourage you to look at patterns that your mom has or your dad doesn't have to be a woman. Right. 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 Part of this is like a learned behavior that you mimic growing up. Right. So if you are an adult woman who's having a hard time with your mother, like you are in control of yourself. And that is it. If your mom is continuing to have these like damaging patterns and not communicating with you and not on the same level as you, you need to have boundaries you need to put boundaries in place. You need to have healthy communication. You need to do what's within your control to make sure that you feel better. It's not this like, well, that's just how she is. I just got to deal with it. Um,
0: not Says who, no, you don't <laughs> says who, no, you don't. If you wanted a better version of my story, you, you should have acted better. If you wanted a better role, if you wanted a better part, you could have acted differently. So no, I do not. I do not have to subject myself to being around people who do not respect my boundaries, who do not understand. Is setting those boundaries difficult? and am walking away from relationships difficult? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'll validate that all day long. Mm-hmm. What you aren't going to find though, is me sacrificing myself for somebody else. Mm-hmm. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I've, you, you can find it in quite a few episodes and it's come up a lot in my sessions this week is I know what I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. in any relationship that I'm going to have, familial, intimate friends. I know what I bring to the table. I am very self-aware. I have done a lot of fucking work to get to this point and I show up authentically. So I I know what I'm bringing. If you aren't bringing anything to my table, you do not get a free seat. You don't Mm -hmm. get to sit here. You don't get to eat with me. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. And does that hurt when I have to say to some people like, This isn't the relationship for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability doesn't feel good. It doesn't. If it feels good, you're not doing it right. It doesn't.
1: Do you get this with clients? So say you have a client with like a partner with BPD, what I hear them say a lot, and I'm not discounting what they say because I understand what they're saying, but you know, so if you have somebody who like incessantly messages you and they just won't quit. And I ask them like, well, what happens if you just don't respond? If you set a firm limit and say, we're not doing this, we've already talked about this, then Mm -hmm. they just ramp it up and make it worse. So what do you tell those clients to do?
0: Put your phone on, do not disturb, turn your phone Mm -hmm. off mute their messages Mm -hmm. and if it goes to like where it's you know whatever and you you're you you feel like you have to respond the Mm -hmm. only response is reiterating that boundary Mm -hmm. the only response you don't touch anything that they've said you reiterate the boundary that you've already set and talked about if you haven't set the boundary you Ignoring ghosting any of those things is in setting a boundary. No. You need to verbalize your boundaries. Correct. That is something that is so important. People are like, Well, I think I, I think they know, then they don't. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you are like, Oh, I'm not sure, then it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Any boundary that I've set with people, it is, I know and can remember the verbal words, the, yes. the email, the text message, whatever, whatever way it was delivered, the verbal boundary that was set. So I can bring it right back to that moment when somebody crosses a boundary, Mm -hmm. bring it right back to that moment.
1: And the thing is, is when things do get extreme, so Mm -hmm. whether it's volatile and they're destroying things at home, they're making threats to themselves, they have a weapon, they're attacking you. Here's the reality. And this is not going to feel good. You can call the police.
0: One thousand percent.
1: I have had to tell parents to call the police and their children. That was not a comfortable fucking conversation. Correct. But they had to have consequences for their actions. And hear me when I say, I understand that they are struggling with something 100,000%. Yes. Yes. But they have to be held accountable of like, you cannot rip the door off the wall. You cannot threaten me with a knife. You cannot physically attack me or your sister, your dad, your brother, whatever. You can't punch holes in the walls. That's not acceptable behavior. So what Mm -hmm. do we need to do to get you to a point where you feel like you can manage your emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So we can sit down and have a conversation about this. It's not, it takes a shit ton of practice. It's not like one day you're punching holes in the walls and next day you're fucking meditating with your parents. That's right. not how that works. <laughs> right. But like, there has to be consequences. Consequences. And there has to be a desire to change for anything. It doesn't matter if it's BPD, depression, anxiety, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. There has to be a desire to want to make things better for yourself. And Mm -hmm. I get that sometimes it feels hopeless. And sometimes it feels like, well, what the fuck's the point? Nothing's going to change. Not with an attitude like that. Correct. It won't. What I also feel like happens a lot with my clients with BPD, and I can't tell you the amount of times this has happened, is when they are getting validation from me, I am the best therapist in the world. Yep. When I challenge them, I'm
0: dead to them. When I set a limit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. they don't want to come back. They don't want to reschedule. They don't yeah. want to talk to me. Yep. I'm like, I don't take that personal. I used God, to no. when I was a younger therapist and I didn't know any better because obviously as a younger therapist, you want to help and heal everybody and make sure everybody likes you. Sure. And then you come to realize like, that's not how that works.
0: Yeah. I don't give a shit. Sure I'm saying you like me. I like myself mm-hmm. period uh, list that goes for everybody, not clients, Correct. just everyone. I like me. Mm -hmm. it's a
1: common theme though if you wrong them and this isn't Mm -hmm. for everybody this is a general statement Mm -hmm. if you wrong them you're dead to them Mm -hmm. they want nothing to do with you anymore until they decide they need you or until they're over whatever it is that happened
0: yep and my my boundary is still there my boundary is still there and when if it's been if it's been however many months and then they come back the, I verbalize in the email. Like we we can reschedule. Absolutely. We are going to talk about the last session that we had. Mm -hmm. So if you feel comfortable knowing that that is going to be the first topic that we address. Mm -hmm. Amazing. If you don't, Mm -hmm. then I've had multiple people like not multiple people walk out of a session, but I had one person walk out of a session 100% because they didn't want to be confronted with the lies and everything that had had come out because Mm -hmm. whatever reason. And so when they had called, they hadn't even called their wife called for them when they had called to reschedule. I said, I, I don't mind taking this, this person back. What needs to be understood though, is that there will be a conversation had Mm -hmm. we're going to discuss the past year of treatment and what Mm -hmm. that was like and why we decided to go that route. I need to understand. So. And I think what's hard is
1: (laughs) typically speaking, and this isn't just BPD, but typically speaking, there is a justified feelings, feeling of their reaction, right? Like at their core, they feel like they are reacting in a way that they have to. So Mm -hmm. changing that almost sounds like what well, you're trying to change me as a person. Mm. Here's the thing. Do you enjoy going through this emotional roller coaster? I can't mm-hmm. imagine that this feels good to you. I can't mm-hmm. imagine that after this fight has ended and you have time to wind down that you're like, "Man, that fucking felt good. I'm so I glad feel, I did that.
0: I feel solid. I feel stable.
1: I feel great.
0: Well, I guess is that you feel like a yeah. piece of shit. Absolutely. And here's the thing. Like if you felt in that moment that walking out was your only option, okay? Mm-hmm. But I won't be able to understand that unless we have a conversation about Correct. it. Correct. My conversation isn't meant to shame, blame, any of these things. I'm looking for understanding, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to get unless we communicate. Yep. And if we're not willing to communicate, then we're really not willing to change. Mm-hmm. So then there isn't anything that I can do, which is, again, the reason why I say in the beginning, this is what I think that we're looking at. You know, here's what it is. Here's the understanding behind it. Like, this isn't, I think a lot of times people have reacted to, like, it's a death sentence. I'm like, guys, like, if anything, if, like, you can change it. Like, you, it's, it's curable. Like, this is, it's your personality. Mm -hmm. You can change that at any time. Mm -hmm. Who, like, think about it. Who you were at 15. Is that who you are now? Correct. Who, who I was at 20 is and who I am at 36 that mm-hmm. you change your personality all the time. So please understand that with, with understanding and tools and, and challenging and reframing and healthy relationships, you absolutely can make the move. Mm-hmm. This isn't like a psychosis disorder where you need the meds to regulate your brain. Like, mm-hmm.
1: And it's not,
0: it's not a a knock on you
1: as a person either. Like you're a shitty person. It's okay. Mm -hmm. What's within my control to change. I can change the way I perceive a situation. I can ask follow-up questions. I can take a beat before I say something out of anger or frustration or feeling hurt or feeling abandoned. Right. Like Mm -hmm. these are all things to explore. I used to recommend um, books to people too. There was a book Mm -hmm. that I had that I loaned out that i never got back, which is why I don't Mm -hmm. lend out books but it was loving somebody with BPD. Mm. So I feel like if you have BPD, you can give that to a partner to read. <laughs> There's stop walking on eggshells. It was kind of boring. I didn't love it, but mm. it is one. Mm-hmm. And there is no stop walking on eggshells. I think was better than I hate you. Don't leave me. Oof. I think I hate you. Don't leave me was a little bit like dry where I was kind of like, yeah. is this almost over? But I literally got yeah. like 12 years ago. Yeah. And the I hate you don't leave me is kind of a hallmark statement. It's a push-pull relationship where you got to prove to me how much you want me to stay. I'm going to see if you really do love me. So I'm going to put you through hell and back. And if you leave, then I was fucking right.
0: Yeah. Right? Yep.
1: Yes. Which just sounds so exhausting for both parties. It is.
0: It is exhausting. It is so exhausting being in a volatile relationship And whether you're, whether the volatility is one week out of two months, Mm -hmm. or if it is every other fucking week, it's still exhausting Mm -hmm. because then we start, I mean, this, this world of hypervigilance starts being created for partners. Yep. Yep. Because right? they, don't, like, they don't know what's which gonna version happen. of you when, they're going to get. Yeah. When's yeah. the other shoe going to drop, right? We start operating in scarcity of like, oh, I got to be, we got to love the good time now because we don't yep. know when the, the what it, shit's going to happen and shit's going to hit the fan and how long it's going to take for us to get back to get like it's.
1: And when things are good, they're great. And mm-hmm. when they're bad, they're fucking awful. Uh-huh. And it feels never ending.
0: Well, and I think the thing that I bring up to clients all the time is like, when I hear that statement, well, when things are good, they're really good. You could be in a relationship where things are good all the time. Correct. 80%, 90% of the time. Or
1: at least neutral. You know what I'm saying? Literally.
0: So, excuse me, help me understand then why we stay. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's not a judgment. I really need to understand or know why. So then we can take some of those factors and start to mitigate them. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about finances. I'm worried no one will ever love me. I'm worried blah, 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 whatever that it is they're all valid. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. There are so many reasons I told myself why I wouldn't leave my relationship. Oh, so many reasons until I started, you know, working on those areas to be like, okay, I think I could do this. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think like, and and then some of them were like, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to jump and see mm-hmm. what happens.
1: If you are listening to this and you have the diagnosis of BPD, I want you to Take a second. If you are in therapy, this Mm -hmm. is a very specific question. If you have BPD and you are in therapy, I want you to take a second to really think about how your sessions go with your therapist. Are you constantly putting out fires? Are you deflecting and talking about random things because you don't want to face what's really going on? Are you going into session like head on to be like, this is a shit I got to work on? I've seen all three of those examples in session for years. I cannot control what you choose to bring up in session. Yeah. That's not under my control. I can't read your mind. I don't know what happened last week unless you tell me, right? So if you're deflecting because something really bad happened and you're worried that I'm going to judge you and then you go back and be like, I mean, therapy's not really helping don't really talk about much. That's not on me. It's not comfortable to face and take responsibility for things that you feel shameful about, you're embarrassed about, mm-hmm. you don't want to continue, right? That's not mm-hmm. easy. Neither is living the way that you're living. Correct. So there has to be some form of self-awareness where you're like, fuck, it's going to suck. But like, I got to talk about this. Like, I really want to change this. Here's what I'm going to do about it. Right. And And if it's
0: it's too hard to do it in that moment, send an email. mm -hmm. These are the things that I want to work on in session. I'm feeling real vulnerable or motivated right now to to bring them up, to discuss them with you. I don't know how I'm going to feel at session, but at least I'm making you aware right now. Correct game changer. Yep. I game
1: agree.
0: Changer. I agree. Cause I ain't never going to forget that email. I promise you that will be the first thing I bring up. Mm-hmm.
1: And again, this isn't to knock anybody with BPD or to shame anybody who's got a partner with BPD. Like this no. is just having an awareness of again, what's within your control, um, how to handle situations and how to take control back in a way that feels good to you right and your mm-hmm. partner if it's your partner that has it or you know vice versa whatever and hopefully this is helpful but again no two people are the same just uh. like no two depressed people are the same or people uh. with depression are the same um there are just kind of general things that are a theme which is how you get diagnostic criteria so
0: if you are somebody who has bpd and you are listening to this you deserve a space here. Mm-hmm. You are enough. Your birthright is that you are enough. That you are deserving. That you are lovable. That you are all of those things. And I urge you, you're at, you could be at a fork in the road right now. I urge you to instead of choosing the ways that you have learned to be able to keep yourself safe and survive in the situations that you grew up in, that you're in now, whatever that it is, I urge you to think about the possibility of what if.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What if I was to lean into vulnerability? What if I was to say, what if I was to believe even just for a minute today that I was enough? What if I was to believe even just for a minute today that I am lovable? What if I was to lean into using one of these tools that that I've been taught or heard or read about or whatever that it is in therapy? What if I was to do some of those things? All of those what ifs Are tangible, right? I'm not asking for what ifs of, you know, trying to predict predict the future. All of those what ifs are within your control to Mm -hmm. be able to do today. This isn't. Also, what
1: if I'm actually safe? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What if
0: this feeling is stability Mm -hmm. and I'm not used to that? Mm -hmm. That would make sense then that it's scary. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense as to why they shake shit up. Yes. That's understandable. You're cultivating chaos to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. You're not comfortable. You're not. Nope.
1: And that goes back to going back to old patterns of behavior that aren't
0: effective for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can find us at the spooky therapist. You can find me. We're <laughs> both uh, at these. Spooky I Us don't run Steph's account. So let me back up. You can find Steph at the Spooky Therapist. You can find me at B-E-A-X-O underscore 11. Yeah, I wonder if I'll ever change that. That was... I don't know. So I think that I will. I was listening
1: that. to a uh, Shalene Johnson thing and she was saying you should always have your name in your handle. So I was like, do I need to be Steph, the Spooky Therapist? I don't want to change it again. I need to change mine because
0: I really just don't like it anymore. <laughs> Um, because it sounds like an aim username and I'm like that's annoying. <laughs> I also like made it when it was like 2013, so sure. Um you can find us at rewriting story podcast at gmail.com. Email us any questions, concerns, or comments, and on Instagram we're rewriting mm-hmm. Story Podcast. I just want and straight. the YouTube and and the tube. And the tube. The tube you can find us. People have been watching, so <laughs>
1: We're on our way to be millionaires, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd like to just afford groceries without feeling like I spent so much. Like groceries. I want Flips Yogurts, so I was like, it's "Gonna be bankrupt." Guess I should guess we're in the middle of living on the street then. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're happy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hope you're happy. I don't get to eat breakfast this month because you wanted three Flips Yogurts. <laughs> And for anyone who's like, go to Costco, she doesn't like the Costco pack because she doesn't like key lime pie. Oh. Which is understandable because key and pie is disgusting. Yeah, I'm not a fan of key lime pie either. Gross. Anyways, until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.